please bow your heads with me in a word of prayer. Holy Spirit, make us new. Make us new today that we might live as you have lived for us, we might live for others. Let your love be seen in the lives that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. God so loved the world. Familiar words, right? God so loved the world. Um, I think most of the time when we say that, uh, we emphasize the word uh, loved or world, right? God so loved the world, or God so loved the world, right? And so uh, usually, wherever you put that emphasis changes what we are emphasizing, right? No surprise there, right? This is not rocket science. But, uh, but it's important because if we emphasize loved, then uh, we, we understand that what we're talking about is God's love. God's love, how, what he feels about you, what he, but not just what he feels about you, right? Because love for us has all kinds of connotations. It's not just about what we feel, it's also about what we do. Um, back in my high school days, a band called DC Talk had a song called "Love Is a Verb," it was uh, uh, and and it was one of, it was an eye-opening moment for me. Not because I had never thought about it, but because they said it in a lot cooler way than I had heard it before. And I started to think, oh yeah, love is a verb. It means it's it's not just about what I feel for others; it's about how I treat them, what I do for them, how I'm involved, how I'm engaged. Love works in all kinds of ways. Um, Our experience of love shapes us. Um, I I have been very blessed in my life to have grown up from from the time I was born uh, as part of both a loving church and a loving family. And so because of that, I have never really had a time in my life where I've really questioned that I was loved. What I questioned more wasn't that I was loved, but why I was loved. There was a time where I thought I was loved as long I would re- continue to be loved as long as I continued to be good. Right? And so, um, I would respond to that love by, by trying to keep everybody happy. Right? And as long as I could do that, then, then they would have no reason to stop loving me. I knew I was loved, but I thought if I screw this up, it might, uh, I really might mess this up. Right? So, that was something I questioned, but I never questioned that I was loved. For others, that has been at the heart of their, their being. Uh, not, they've grown up in a place where, where they were not loved where they didn't have a loving family, they didn't have a loving community or a church that was surrounding them, and it it was a drive for what does love even look like? When we say love, it takes on all kinds of different meanings for us. God so loved the world, 
calls us to, to wonder, what kind of love is this? And what would it be like to love the world, <laughs> right? The world, and it's not even just the, the, all of the people, right? There's a word in the Bible for, for all, the, all of the peoples. Uh, some, most often gets translated the nations or the peoples. Uh, that's not the word here. Um, and it's not just the earth. It's, it's, uh, uh, there's a word for that too, but that isn't the word here. The word here is, is cosmos. Now what does that make you think of? When I say the word, God loved the cosmos, what do you think of? Hmm? Everything, right? All of the universe. That's the, and that's exactly right. That's where we get that understanding. The cosmos, the, the fullness of all things, in all times, in all places, in all... <laughs> this is a big, big love. And that's what God loves. Gosh, that's amazing, isn't it? I, I have trouble <laughs> loving my little world. Sometimes I do it well, sometimes I don't do it so well. God loves the cosmos. So sometimes we emphasize loved, and sometimes we emphasize world, but today I want to emphasize a different word. God so loved the world. And I emphasize that not because I think it's like God, like, sometimes when we say so loved, we think, uh, oh, you're so loved. Like, like you're especially loved. Oh, you're, you're loved more than everybody else. You're so loved. I don't think that's really what's going on here. Not in the context of this conversation with this strange guy, Nicodemus, that shows up in none of the other Gospels, but shows up three times in the Gospel of John. This is the first time, and he comes in the middle of the night. He comes to Jesus as a Pharisee and a teacher of the, of the, of the community. And he comes to him with, the, with, strange, with a question. Uh, who, who are you, really? We know that you're from God. How is it that you do this? Nobody could do this without, without having God at work in them. But, but what are we to make of you, Jesus? That's really what Nicodemus wants to say. And he does that by night. Why? Why does he come to him in the middle of the night? Why not come to him in the daytime? Jesus was certainly out and about. It was certainly a public figure. He certainly was not unapproachable. There are all kinds of people that come to Jesus. Some uh, leaders, some uh, uh, outsiders, uh, some in every aspect of life. But Nicodemus comes to him at night. Why? Because he doesn't want others to know. Not yet, anyway. He'll get there. But right now, Nicodemus comes to him in the middle of the night, and he says, I, I want to know about you, but I don't want to do it in a way that anybody else knows that I want to know about you. Some of us have been in that place. Some of us are still in that place. Some of us are, are comfortable uh, saying uh, among this community, I want to know about Christ, but when we go out of these doors and we are in a different community, we might not... Uh, we might not be so quick to be open about that we are a follower of Christ. We're a little like Nicodemus in that way. Sometimes this building can be our darkness, where we draw near to Christ in the safety and the comfort of not having to be seen by those who might think, uh, that's a little weird. 
Well, what are you up to here? Or should you really be doing that? But I come back to that word so because Nicodemus and Jesus have a conversation here about what it is to follow Christ, about what it is, about who Jesus is, about what he's here to do. about what it means to be part of the kingdom of God. This is the only place in the Gospel of John where the kingdom of God is named that. Kingdom of God is all over the other Gospels, only here in John. You cannot see the kingdom of God without being born from above. It's the only place in the Gospel of John where, 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 where the writer says, the kingdom of God. Everywhere else, there's, there's word about the kingdom at, at the end. Uh, my kingdom, Jesus' kingdom, will show up, but, but never specifically the kingdom of God. Right here is the only one. This is a place where John, the gospel writer, is talking to us about what it is to be part of this community. And what he points to is being transformed. We point to baptism, right? Because Jesus says, uh, after they have this discussion about being born uh, from above, as our translation has it, born again, as you may have heard more often, same, same word, same, uh, same meaning. Uh, it means born anew. And so uh, Nicodemus is like, wait a minute, I've already been born. <laughs> How do I do that? <laughs> that doesn't sound... Very reasonable. And so Jesus says, truly I tell you, you must be born of water and spirit. And so we immediately think, as the prayer of the day points out to us, what? That we're talking about baptism. I get that. I don't, I don't argue with the fact that in our baptism we are born anew. I just don't think that's what Jesus was talking about with Nicodemus here. Because if he were, you would think that at some point uh, or another there would be some more discussion about baptism. But it's not about baptism. It's about the power of the Spirit to transform us. And so more likely when Jesus talks about water and the Spirit, he's pointing back to Ezekiel uh, 36 where we're told uh, you will be sprinkled with water and filled with the Spirit, and I will put a new heart in you, and you will be my people. The Messiah that comes, comes to purify us, to cleanse us, and to make us new. And, and Jesus, Jesus' emphasis isn't about how Nicodemus is going to do that for himself, is it? That's what Nicodemus is worried about. How do I, how am I going to be born again? <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I, I can't do anything about this anyway. Jesus points to, no, you have to be born of water and the Spirit. You let, let the Spirit transform you. God will do this. And then he starts talking about wind, right? Wind blows where it blows. You don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it's going, but you feel it. You know that God is at work, but you don't know how. We've been there, right? You're like, yeah, I'm there every day. <laughs> I know that God is working, I just don't know how. That's okay. God, it, let God work in you and make you new. 
God is doing this. This is exactly what is going on. Why is God doing this? How is God doing this? Uh, the next thing that Jesus will point to is what? Just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. And that word is really important in the Gospel of John. So the Son of Man must be lifted up. Sounds like a good thing, right? And it is. You could translate it, so the Son of Man must be exalted. And you'd be exactly right. Must be lifted up and praised. It's the same word, right? But it has a double meaning in the Gospel of John because we know that what he is pointing to, because he uses the same word when the Son of Man is lifted up on the cross, that that is the place where he is lifted up and exalted. That's the place where this comes to its culmination. God so loved the world. It's not about how much. It's that he does it in this way. He enters in to you. He comes to you. Into all of it. Into the whole of it. Into the cosmos of everything there is. Into all of it. God says, there is nothing that I'm going to say, nope, I'm not going there. God says, I come into the whole of who you are. Why? Because that is, not because I love you so much, but because that is how I love the world. That is how God loves the world. By coming in further and further, closer and closer. And we see that most clearly when He is what? Lifted up on the cross. When God Himself enters into the one thing God's supposed to not be able to do. He's not supposed to be able to die, is he? And he does. Because he goes there for you. And he goes there in love. I say all this to you so that we understand how God loves us. And, because Jesus a little later in this same gospel will say, as the Father sent me, as the Father sent me, which means, which is what we've been talking about, God sent, the Father sent the Son. God so loved the world that he sent, that he gave his only Son. As the Father sent me, what will Jesus, how does Jesus finish that in John 20? You remember? As the Father sent me, so I send you. Oh my goodness. And he says that to his disciples. He says that to those who trust that this is the kind of love that God has shown for the world in Jesus. Which means, when he says you, he doesn't just mean the 12 disciples that were living back then. He also means you, me, us. He means those who have seen this kind of love. Those who have 
experienced a love that, that doesn't just say, well, I love some parts of the world. But a love that says, there's, there's nothing about you that would keep me from loving you. And the things that you try to hide in the darkness, uh, I come into those too. I come into them because that's how I show you I love you. Oh my gosh, if that's what we are called to do, how much I have to learn. I don't do it so that God will love me. I don't do that so that God will love those that I love. I do that because that's how I reflect the love of God that I've been called to reflect, that I've been sent to show. Just as the Father sent Jesus, Jesus sends us. And our work is simply that. To let the world see by, the willingness, by our willingness to enter in to the struggle. To enter in to the pain. To enter in to all of life. To say, there is nothing in this world that we cannot come into because we come into it to show you that you are loved. We don't come into it to say, this is great. I don't think Jesus was on the cross saying, wow, this is awesome. No. He's not there doing that. But he is there saying, I show you how deep this love goes because I'm willing to engage with you. Keep that in mind in the way we show love to one another in the way we show love to those that are around us. Do they see that kind of love in us? Because Jesus has sent us to show that kind of love to the world. To let them see that it's not like I thought it was when I was younger. It's not that if they get it right, they'll be loved. They are loved. And that love is a verb that moves us to act. Because God so loved the world, He sent you. Amen.